0: Hello, welcome to the Art Seat. I'm Martin Rogers, here with Professor Simon Hicks to discuss Jeremy Corbyn's election as leader of the, of the Labour Party. Welcome Simon. Hi. Mr. So first of all, what's your initial reaction to Corbyn's landslide victory?
1: Well, my initial reaction is this has been quite positive for British democracy and for the centre-left in British democracy. We've had a lot of people involved uh, signing up to vote. It was only £3 to be able to to vote, and a lot of people who used to be members of the Labour Party perhaps have come back and joined. We had uh, 420,000 people vote in this leadership election, which is more than had voted in the leadership election for Ed Miliband. Uh, we had uh, Corbyn emerge as the most charismatic candidate of the four candidates and mobilizing younger people in particular to come and get involved in the process. We saw him travel around the country and have rallies in different parts of the country. And we saw him mobilize a sort of part of the, the British electorate that had perhaps not been mobilized for quite a long time. Lower income people, people who'd sort of turned off from politics. Perhaps people who even turned to UKIP in certain parts of the country had, th- had said, you know, he'd gone over to Essex. and. He'd had a big rally in Essex, and there'd been some coverage about the fact that these were off, some of these voters had left Labour, had now voted for UKIP at the last election, and they were thinking, well, actually, I'd like to perhaps rejoin Labour and, and get involved and vote for Corbyn. And so in that sense, you can argue that this was positive for reinvigorating the centre-left
0: of British politics. So what's the flip side to that viewpoint? Well, the flip side to that
1: viewpoint is... Uh, this could be very difficult for the Labour Party. And, you know, we might say 400,000 people have voted, but that's less than 1% of the electorate as a whole. Um, Over 2% of the electorate voted for Tony Blair to be leader of the Labour Party in the 90s. And so, you know, this is a very small proportion of the electorates as a whole that have got involved, and this could be just the very small radical proportion of the electorate. So I think what could happen is Corbyn could see this as a mandate, was, in fact it's not really a mandate. This could be captured by a very small radical fringe of British politics. And if he then comes and sets out a shadow cabinet and a set of policies for government that are really quite a long way from the preferences of the average voter, for example, do people really want renationalisation of the railways? Does the average voter really want us to give up our nuclear deterrent. Uh, he's got quite uh, ambivalent policies towards the European Union. Um, he will probably, you know, if you costed his policies, he'd probably have to borrow huge amounts of money. And so, uh, yes, people might want to, It's important to address inequality. He's raised a lot of key issues that I think people care about that perhaps Labour had not been addressing for quite some time. But if this starts to alienate middle class voters who Labour need to win back, then I think this could be very difficult for Labour in the next few years.
0: One of the interesting things about the Corbyn victory is that it gives us a lot to talk about, and this the hot seat could go on for quite some time. But To start with, what does it tell us about the Labour Party, Labour movement? and their position with regards to the sort of mainstream of British politics. You've touched on it there.
1: Yeah. I mean, we don't really know yet. Um, There's some accusation that there has been entryism by people from the radical left into the party. Um, I'm a bit sceptical about that. What I suspect has happened when people have had to sort of look through who has rejoined and who's got involved in this, um, because for the first time you could get involved and vote without being a full paid up member of the party. And so what I think, is perhaps voters who'd gone off and voted for the Greens or or trade unionists who'd not been involved in the party before or older voters who'd not been very active or younger voters who'd been active in student politics perhaps but have not been involved in the Labour Party. Are these the groups that have now decided to get involved? And you know the the old mainstream of the Labour Party was very much a Blairite Brownite london-based london intelligentsia elite of the party and and i think this has shaken that elite to the core i don't think they realized how much a lot of the base a lot of the british public a lot of the lower income groups in british society really don't like them and don't trust them and i think you can see this as a mobilization against that establishment within the labor party and so this is a big challenge for that establishment Uh, Is there going to be a new moderate wing of the party? Uh, And who's going to be the leader of that alternative to Corbyn within the party? We saw three candidates trying to articulate a vision against him, all failing dismally. I think people looked at the three of them and thought, they're not as charismatic as he is. They're kind of same old, they're sort of warmed up Blairism or warmed up Brownism. It's the same old, same old. What really are they going to do for us? Labour has lost support massively in Scotland They've lost support outside of London in, in the south of England. They, they were starting to lose support in the north of England, and I don't think Miliband and the London elite of the party w- could win back that support. And so there's a possibility that Corbyn could win back some of that support, but it's very early days to see.
0: But has Labour changed from being a, like a policy vote-seeking... Sorry, has it changed from being a vote-seeking movement to a policy-seeking movement in the same way that we've seen with... Uh, UKIP on the right trying to influence British policy on the EU rather than to seek elected office?
1: Well, there could be certain elements of the party who would like the party to, in a sense, be a movement rather than a party. Um, A a political movement wants to espouse certain issues and certain policies. We're against austerity. We're in favour of addressing inequality. We're in favour of improving access to public services. We don't really care whether we're going to win government office or not. Mm-hmm. This could be a movement that tries to address these things locally or regionally, or, and meanwhile expecting that we don't care if we don't win the next election. In a sense, I see that as quite short-sighted, because there's no way actually for delivering any of those policies unless the Labour Party can actually get back into number 10. And so, you know, this is the sort of argument of the more moderate wing of the party to say, unless we can articulate a policy agenda that wins us 40% of the voters of this country, we're not going to get back into number 10. And so it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the next six months in the opinion polls. How long is the honeymoon period going to be? I suspect Labour will come up in the short term in the polls, but there could be a rude awakening as middle class voters start actually to think, wow, this could mean higher taxes for us. This could mean, you know, cuts in my, perhaps, my pension, or this could be a reduction in, in the type of things that I take for granted. And In some sense, the Conservatives, having staked out quite a moderate manifesto in the last election and having staked out quite a moderate budget, Osborne is probably looking at this thinking, I am now the centre ground of British politics. Corbyn has taken Labour well off to the left. I'm going to capture the average voter. We're going to easily win the next election. And that's the danger, I think, Labour are facing.
0: The the last- comparable Labour leader as Michael Foote. Now under Foote, he Healy as Chancellor, who is a figure from the right of the party. Uh, Corbyn's gone for John MacDonald, who's very, very much a figure of the left of the party. So what does this tell us about his initial approach?
1: Yeah. I think the last 24 hours, um, I've been quite surprised. I thought he was going to deliberately signal a sort of internal coalition in the party by picking someone from the right to be the shadow chancellor i think you're right there and i think it's been a big surprise to some of the moderates in the party that he's gone for john MacDonald, who as you say is very much seen as a figure on the left are they going... To, we have to wait and see. We have to wait and see what exactly their economic policies are going to be. What are they going to say about taxation? What are they going to say about borrowing? What are they going to say about public spending? Those are the key, three key questions that we're going to have to see answered in the, next, in the coming weeks. Are they going to be putting together a policy which looks like it's a, a, maybe a new set of policies, but a, a new creative way of thinking about how to restructure British public finances? Or is it going to be same old left, tax and borrow. If it's same old radical early 80s Labour, then I think the Conservatives will be rubbing their hands in glee.
0: And just quickly in terms of the shadow cabinet, has Corbyn got a woman problem this early into his leadership? I think he has. I think he's not got women in senior positions in the party. There's a lot of very good,
1: talented women in the next generation down. Unfortunately for him, they're on the moderate wing of the party. What was interesting for me is how some of the Rising stars in the party stood aside from this leadership election. Chukra Muna, Rachel Reeves, some of those other figures have stood aside. He needs to re-engage with those people. It's going to be a big worry for him if he doesn't get those behind him in the project, because they are going to be seen as the potential leaders in waiting if he fails.
0: To some extent, to sort of broaden this out a bit, to some extent the last... On well, the most recent time, a figure from the fringe of their party was an elected leader was when Ian Duncan Smith was made Conservative leader, um, obviously with nothing like the sort of popular movement behind it. But is there a, a danger that after so long in office, the activist-based tired of the, con- the compromises necessary for power have sought the sort of ideological purity at the fringe? Yeah maybe
1: the other way of thinking about it is is we've seen some radical changes in Britain in the last 10 years. You've seen radical rising inequality, rising house prices, decline in the quality of certain public services rising geographic inequality in the UK. So it's very difficult to extrapolate to other periods of British history. And I think this is a real wake-up call to the centre-left. Like We're seeing this in a lot of countries in Europe. We're seeing people feeling that they're, they're not able to get access to the society and the economy that they used to 10, 15, 20 years ago. And they're very angry. And, and I think this is what's driving support for the radical left in lots of countries in Europe. And we, we're seeing this in Greece, of course. We've seen it in Spain. We're seeing it in in other in France and Germany and other parts of Europe. And so I see exactly this happening in Britain. The real challenge is what are the mainstream centre left going to do about this? How you know for so long they're seen as part of the problem rather than part of the solution. And I think this is where the centre left have to really step up, raise their game, think far more creatively about how they are going to address some of these major policy concerns. So I see Corbyn as rather than this is a vote for Corbyn for what he actually stands for in policy terms, I see this as a vote for him raising those issues and raising those problems and raising those concerns and the issue now is how has the mainstream centre left people to his right in the party how are they going to respond to this if they fail to respond to this then he has a clear run through as the leader for the next five to ten years
0: so we've talked about the conservatives and do you think that osborne at least will uh, greet this news with glee is there now an opening for a revived Liberal Democrats as a pro-European, outwardly, explicitly pro-European, centrist-to-centre-left movement, not to do what the STP perhaps did in the in the 80s, but for them to re-establish their position um, to Labour's right, and think, to the yeah. Conservatives left, yeah, important. Uh,
1: I'm sure this is the debate that has been going on this weekend within the Liberal Democrats, or over the last few weeks from the Liberal Democrats. The problem is, you know, the, the leadership of the party, they just haven't got enough senior figures. They've sort of been wiped out at the last election. The rump of the party that's left, not—you know, it's, not, uh, it's got enough real talented leaders there within the party. And there's a big question mark over Tim Farron about whether he can lead the party in that direction. Um, and, but there is an opportunity, as you say. And I, I wonder how long it'll be until there's voices with, on the right in the Labour Party that say, we should jump ship. We need to go down that strategy that happened in the early 80s in britain remember it almost worked it almost worked the spd almost beat labor in the 1983 election they almost replaced labor as the second party in britain had that happened we would have seen a very different politics over the last 20 years people might be thinking actually the british voters this time around are even more fluid than they were in the 1980s the opportunity of starting a new party and capturing new voters must be easier now than it was in the 80s. I'm sure there's people saying that on the right of the party, and I'm sure there's people saying that within the Liberal Democrats, to saying we need a new centre-left party in British politics, a new social democratic, a new social liberal party in British politics. We should unite with that right of the Labour Party. I think people are holding fire. They're going to wait and see what happens in the next six months, but I wouldn't be surprised if this is seriously on the agenda come next year, particularly after the EU referendum. I think we're going to wait and see what happens in that EU referendum. The party could split over that EU referendum. Corbyn is kind of lukewarm on Europe. It's not clear what his policy is. I doubt he's going to want the party to campaign to leave. But for example, if he calls for a free vote, if he says, we're going to have a free vote amongst my cabinet colleagues, and the party can go and campaign how it wants, and he campaigns to leave, I think this could split the party, and I could see the right of the party, the pro-European wing of the party, saying, we want to get into bed with the Liberal Democrats and form a new pro-European centre-left movement in British politics.
0: Does it, do you think then, increase the likelihood of a British exit from the EU? I
1: don't think it does. I think, um, I, I think it depends what he does. Um, There's another scenario which is that he decides that he is going to campaign to stay in the EU and the party as a whole, or the main leadership of the party will campaign to stay in the EU and he'll campaign for a centre-left EU. If he does that, that could actually mobilise voters to come out and vote to stay in the EU that otherwise might not have come out to vote. What I was worrying about uh, as a pro-European would say that if voters would see this as Cameron's referendum, They say, this is Cameron wants us to stay in. Why should I vote to support Cameron? Why should I help Cameron? We lost the last election. I'm just going to stay home. And now if we see the Labour Party campaigning under his leadership to stay in, that could mobilise the voters. I only think it's a danger if he himself says there's a free vote and I am going to campaign to leave. Then I think we could see a very, very tight vote with certain Labour voters coming out and campaigning to leave.
0: So just briefly, what impact is this likely to have on the more fringe parties, the less successful ones, the Greens UKIP?
1: I think it could be very difficult for the Greens. And the Greens were starting to capture votes to the left of Labour. I think UKIP um, are probably very worried about this. UKIP was starting to make inroads in northern cities where they'd become the second party to Labour and they had become very successful in campaigning amongst lower-income groups who used to support the Labour Party or who had not voted in the last few elections. And these groups ma- might see Corbyn as their advocate. And if they see Corbyn as their advocate, they might come back to start to vote Labour. But I don't think it's going to win back Labour in Scotland. Corbyn is very English. Corbyn is still going to be seen as a very English leader of the party. I think he could say, I'm campaigning on the left... But Sturgeon is a far more charismatic figure than Corbyn. Sturgeon has captured, I think, a large swathe of Labour electorate that are not going to go back to Labour very quickly.
0: Do you think then, just so quickly, that the emphasis on austerity, anti-austerity is mistaken, that so much of the activist pays to put emphasis on that?
1: No, I don't think it's mistaken. Um, and I, I think he raises, you know, austerity is having a big impact on certain groups in society, I think the cuts in public spending are having a big impact on certain groups in society. I think there's rising inequality. I think these are all very key legitimate issues for him to be raising. The question is, what does he want to do about it? What are his policies going to be to address, and how are those policies he's advocating actually going to address those issues? That's what I think people are going to wait to see. If he comes up with a new set of policies that look interesting, creative, reasonable, affordable then I think there's a possibility of rejuvenation in the party. If he comes up with a set of policies which are Jeremy Corbyn's policies over the last 20 years, the policy positions that he's had for the last 20 years, then I think the party is really in trouble.
0: And just finally, have we now seen the end of effectively open primaries for the leadership of parties?
1: I don't think so. I think, uh, you know, the jury's out on that. I think there's people saying that there's, uh, there was entryism into the party, I'm a bit sceptical about that. I think uh, the trajectory, not just in Britain, but everywhere in the world, is to increasingly open up the party. But what I I find a little bit depressing is, despite the fact this was an open primary, they still only had 400,000 people voting in it. We had, that's less than, that's 0.9% of the electorate. Uh, You know, 20 years ago, the membership of the party was double that. Now the membership of the party is about half that. So, you know, that's not really an open primary. As far as I'm concerned, that's relatively closed still. A truly open primary would have had over a million people voting in this, the kind of open primary they have in Italy or the open primary they have in France for their parties. So this isn't really an open primary.
0: All right. Thank you very much, Simon. You. You're off the